Amen. Thank you so much. I have been really feeling that God want us to just give what we just cannot deal with to him. Amen. Amen. Young people, especially. I know life can be very difficult at times. But Jesus is the answer. Amen. Always remember that. No matter what your friends are telling you. Remember that Jesus is the answer. So we have now the story of this, uh, the parable of the rich fool. And I grew up, as, as y'all know, grew up Baptist. And, you know, people always say, well, you know, the, the, right, the rich people's money is stored up for the righteous. And we, we kind of use that to, to kind of cover up why we're spending all our money. And then we hope that somebody rich is going to turn their money over to us. No, that's not the case, isn't it? Would you give me your money if I spent all mine? Oh, see, that's my man right there. I'm going to come and see you after, after we get through. But we've been living under some false ideas. And we have made people who are wealthy feel bad for being wealthy. And I'm glad that Christ gave us an example that it's not just because the person is wealthy. It's just what he does with it. Amen. So anybody in here that's got more than a million dollars, you know, I'm happy for you. But raise your hand so I can see who you are. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I can use the Bible verses to convince you to give me some. Amen. But we, 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 we want to understand this text in its whole entirety. We want to understand this text that it's not that this, this rich young fool uh, went and stole the money. He, he, he didn't earn it, you know, the wrong way. He, it, it wasn't that he, you know, uh, paid his laborers minimum wage when they should be paying, you know, $25 an hour. None of those things that are in this parable says that this man done something wrong. And, and we sometimes see people become wealthy because of the talent or the blessings of God and the overflow of God. And we get upset because they are making more money than we are. And I'm not talking about Bill Gates and all those people like that. But just natural people who are wealthy and living in natural neighborhoods. Maybe their house is a little bigger than yours. Maybe they drive a better car than you. But you have to remember they themselves didn't do it because their credit is an 800 credit score. Well, that might be true, but in yours is a 500. You can't get the BMW. You might have to get the Ford. You understand? But it's because God has already given them the talent to understand how to manage the wealth that they have. Amen. All of us have that. Some of us don't. We just have to ask. We don't ask so we don't receive. And so when wealth comes our way, we spend it the way we know how, always knowing how. I can tell you, I was this rich young fool, but I was on the opposite side of the coin. I grew up in the projects. My mom didn't have a lot of money. My dad, you know, mom separated. But when God himself blessed me, I can remember the day so clearly in my mind. I'm coming down 26 back into into Charleston off of 77. And I hear the Lord give me strategic alliance. I hear him give me this thing. Right then I knew something's happening. Something's happening to me. Something's going on. The Lord is doing something. From there, I began to open my business and all of those things started to happen. And listen to me. On my first house, I made $58,000 with about, a, let me see, twelve dollars or $13,000 investment. Now, listen, I told you I grew up on the project, right? So anybody that who gives me a check. For $58,000, I had to ask the lawyer three times, sir, are you sure this check is for me? <laughs> I, I asked him three times.
times. You, anybody in real estate, you know, you, you have the, the man cuts you a check. And I, I, I look at the thing, 58000 Are you sure? Because in my mind, sure, I'm running to the closest bank to cash this thing right now. I'm not going to wait and, and, and sit around and look at the check and throw it on my bed. And No, no, I'm going to the closest bank. What's the bank name on here right now so I can know exactly where to go? Now, here's what I'm leading into because I want to preach to you something. I'm leading into this. The unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. The unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. But we got to understand something. Greed is a yoke. All right? It's a yoke that will hold on to you and it will lead you into some places you shouldn't be. Now, covetedness is really the cousin of greed. It's, it's, it's like family. They two, they two kind of walk together. But the covetedness is the wickedness. So it, greed produced covetedness, which is the wickedness that extends or come out of you. It starts to, you know, like onions. If you eat too much, you begin to really, or there's some other stuff that, you know, you begin to smell like. <laughs> and you may think you're walking around here without nobody noticing. And that's okay. But the one person that knows all things is God himself. Okay, so let me get back to my story. So I made the first check. After that, I said, "Uh uh-oh, if this is what making money is all about, oh boy, they don't stop me now. So I I, I then, I had a lot of friends in Atlanta, and and I called my good friend in Atlanta, and he owned a, he was building an entire subdivision. And so uh, there was half a million dollar homes, and I said to him, out, straight out, listen, man, uh, I, I buy a whole block of these things. But I can't leave out of your office without less than $125,000 when I close. He said, oh, Matthew, I, I, I can't do one hundred twenty-five. dollars I was really looking for eighty, dollars And he went right to my number. I said, oh, you got a deal. Now, all of us know when the housing market was really good, anybody who had a breath in them could walk in and buy a house. And I had a slew of investors and people who wanted to buy homes. And I lived in Atlanta for uh, 17 years, so I know a lot of people. So it was easy for me. But I didn't sell directly to people. I just had investors. And then I, from there, then I flipped it into the market and made money. So I drove up to Atlanta, signed the contract. First deal, walked out of the door, had $80,000 in my pocket. I said, oh, Lord, what am I going to do with this money now? Well, I'm going to buy me 10 more of these houses right here. That should put me really in good shape. Now, God had already planned for my overflow. You know how I know? Because before then, we go back years or go back. Before then, I was in church one day, the same church that I was talking about, Pastor Jared here, that I committed to my pastor. And I hardly had any money in my pocket except for a bunch of change. And I was so embarrassed to put it in the plate. I asked God, Father, don't ever let me be in this position again that I can't tithe. And not that I cannot tithe, God. I want to tithe in the things that is going on around the church. How many of us have made that promise and say, you know what, that sounds like a good idea. I want to definitely tithe in that. Y'all ain't got to raise your hand. I just told Pastor Jared. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But God honored what I asked him. He honored it. But you know what I did? I didn't go to church and tithe. I kept buying houses. Buying more houses. And buying more houses. Buying no suits. Buying new shoes. 
I, ha- I went to the unholy grail of me, myself, and I. So this passage really helps us to understand something. This man, usually in those days, you know, family was very tight back in those days. So, you know, you don't just do things without talking to your family. Now, I, I really can't talk to my family because the kind of money I was making, they, they all want to know when I'm going to die. <laughs> you know how I knew that? Because when I did my will and I told my mom I had a friend of mine in charge of my will to make sure everybody, oh, she went crazy. As my sister, my, one of my best friends, I said, okay, I better put them two in charge. Because the money, kind of money I got right now, I was worth $1 million walking around. I had an insurance policy on me. So if I died, $1 million, I had about six houses that I owned, all a half a million dollars apiece. And I'm not bragging about the things that I had because those things are gone. But I'm just kind of giving you an idea where I was. My wealth was I, I had about $58 million in valuation and I had about mm, somewhere around $250 million that I had access to. This was not due to me, but this was due to the overflow of what God was doing for me. That's why I can relate to this. That's why when Pastor Jerry called me and said, hey, this is what I got for you. I, I hope it's OK. He didn't know I was jumping for joy. I was like, oh, my God. Perfect verse for me. Because this is who I was. But the one thing I thank God that he didn't take my life because of my disobedience. Now, now, this is an awesome passage. Let me just tell you, this is an awesome passage. We. We know that in Ecclesiastes 2.18, I hate all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. Now, a lot of us who who have uh, great wealth, uh, you're going to die someday and your children or whomever you leave the money to will not take care of it like you will. I just want to let you know that right now. They're going to be like some of my family members. They're going to go buy themselves a BMW, fly all around the world, go to Paris, travel around the world before they even think about, you know what? Dad worked really hard for this money. I I shouldn't be in Paris running around like this. No, they're going to think of that after that when the zeros has come from six to five to four. They say, wait a minute. Uh, I don't have as much money as I had the first time. Then they're going to start saying it seriously. Okay, now what do I do? You see? This is what Solomon is saying. Listen, I toil all day long. This is what God was saying to this, this, this fool. Listen, you, you, you want to store up more stuff and, and you want to just, okay, just relax and be merry. Son, you're going to die. And who is it that will come after you do what I asked them to do? No, they're not because they didn't work hard for it. They didn't have my blessings. They didn't have all these things. So when I lost everything, I started crying. Y'all, guess what? I went from having, you know, this nice house, these nice houses. My first house I bought was 5,000 square foot. Now, that don't mean anything to y'all who live in, in this community over here. Y'all, y'all have 10,000 square feet plus. So my little house can fit in yours. You understand? And it's okay. If you want to invite me, I will come. But it, 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 God don't care about earthly things. He, that's not his care. These things can't get you into heaven. Bill Gates will not be able to walk up to the throne of grace and say, now, Father, you know, I, I, I got a trillion dollars, man. Can I buy my way in? You know, I, I did some great stuff. I helped people with AIDS. I did all these things. I understand that I never confessed Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but I got enough money. At least I should be able to get in. That don't work. We as Christians know that, right? I was on the same path. I was just buying more stuff, getting richer and richer and richer. And all I had is the me, myself and I. And when I lost it, I'm going to tell you all the funniest thing. You know how you go out to nice restaurants 
and you, you're eating and you never pay attention to how good the food, not really how good the food is, but you know how you just eat because you know you can buy it. And I used to go in the restaurant, even when I was a little younger, Pastor Jared, I, and, and you know how they have the sides. If you, have, if you want to order something extra, it costs you like $2 back then. Now it costs you $5 to get that extra stuff. Well, I, I would always say, man, give me that extra, you know, fish and, and do this or do that. So, I, you know, it never bothered me, especially when I had the money. Oh, yeah, sure. I'll take, you know, the, the Dom Perignon. I'll take all of that stuff. Just give it to me. Now, now, here I am, poor now. I don't have anything left. I'm in the window watching somebody eat a salad and saying, my God, I wish I just had that salad. <laughs> a salad. I'm like, Lord, please, I, I just want, I, I, let the man just slide his ball over and call me in and say, hey, you can have the rest. But I was homeless. I only had the clothes that I had in high school. They were kind of tight. I had to catch the bus. I lost my car. I lost my home. I lost it all. I was sleeping on the church bench. Listen, I don't want none of that to happen to y'all. Not one, of the, not one of you I want that to ever happen. I got in some trouble because some of my dealings started going south. So I was dealing with a lot of stuff. And one thing about greed, it does this to you. It doesn't put shades on your eye where you can kind of, you know, see things halfway. It blinds you all the way. And it tells you what you're doing is okay. There's no line in the sand for greed. He don't say, well, that's a great line. No, he said, listen, I don't see no lines. Keep going. Amen. Jesus says, no, there's a line in the sand, son. No, no, don't, don't you do that. So I, I wanted to put this out here for you because this is what the passage is talking about. But I want to talk to you about some greed that is much more closer to home. I'm only talking about the things that affect you directly in your house. Because when you leave here, the money issue, you'll still have. You'll still be dealing with that. You'll still be trying to make it. But the greed that we are dealing with every day, the one that I really want to just talk to you about is more of the, the greed of hatred and unforgiveness. That's what I want to talk to you about tonight. Because sometimes when you get into that place of unforgiveness, it keeps wanting more and more and more of it. Pastor Barry can tell you, he probably talked to some people, say, I ain't talked to my sister in 10 years. We had one argument and I ain't talked to her since. The greed of unforgiveness tells you, don't pick up the phone and call her. You remember what she said to you? See, this is the kind of greed that God is having a problem with his people on. The greed of immorality. I experienced that. So forget about the money thing, because we all have heard preachers preach down to us. Oh, you know, please help me, Pastor. The, 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 the lust of money is, what's the thing, what does the pastor say? The root of money, yeah. So, so guess what? You, how many times have people preached that to you? I mean, hundreds. But tonight, I'm not talking about that kind of greed. I'm talking about the thing that hits right home. The kind of jealousy, the greed of jealousy of being jealous of your neighbor because God is blessing them. That's the greed that continues to eat at our hearts. The greed of fraction coming into church because you don't like the smoke. Now, I was one of those people. I'm sorry. 
but causing divisions where you shouldn't. Because if you got a problem with the smoke, go to Pastor Jared. <laughs> Pastor Jared, I, I, I like the smoke. It's okay. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is the type of greed that hits us right at home. This is what keeps husbands and wives separated. The greed that, no, you did me wrong. Now I ain't going to apologize to you till you apologize to me. Well, let me help you understand. You were enemies of Christ and his righteousness came even though you were his enemy. Oh, shucks, man. I, I don't know if y'all want to hear me. I want to talk to you about the greed of envy. These are the areas that we struggle with as people. If you wanted me to talk about money, that's easy. I just gave you my story. But when you leave here tonight, it's immorality that's going to face you at your doorstep when you go home. Somebody's dealing with a, a daughter or a son that's in, that's doing things they shouldn't be doing. And I'm tired of bailing you out. But God on the other side said, no matter how many times you make that mistake, I'm going to be right there for you. See, I want to talk about something that's going to really deal with you. Sexual immorality, hatred, discord. Oh, God, here's one. I I love this one. Fits of outrage. Now, if you're like me. We had to come from a place where everything was an argument. That thing just kept feeding me and feeding me because if it wasn't done my way, oh, yeah, you're going to have a problem. I'll chop your head off. Ask people who were working for me. They know. Now, they say, now, one thing about Matthew, you're going to make money with him. But boy, (laughs) that guy will cut you down. See, I'm not perfect. But there was greed and this yoke on me that I didn't know how to communicate to the people who were working for me. It's the greed of the person on your job. You don't like them because of the way that they handle themselves or the way they wield the power that they have over you. But if you decided to pray for them, the greed of love will come into you and change them right there. Oh, God. Oh, hallelujah. See, this is the greed that we don't want to talk about. The church, let's not talk about that. See, this is the greed of the flesh. I warn you, as I did before, that those who love, who like, who who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not telling you, you, you I know you got a bunch of Bible scholars in there, so y'all can go search that one out yourself. I need you to do something different. Whatever your struggle is, that's why I wanted to have the altar call. All of this can be found in Galatians and all over the Bible, but whatever this thing you're dealing with, understand, there's this word called sin, which is the monster in the room. And I can bet you right now, if I would ask you to raise your hand, but I don't want you to, if I said to you, your wife or your husband or your children done something or somebody or a friend or something, and you want to go tell them you're sorry, even if you wasn't right, you want to walk in the room and let them make a little face at you, you're going to turn around and say, man, I ain't telling you sorry. How many times have we done that? How many times has our wife, and we know men, that we ought to go in there and apologize and make up for that thing, but yet when we get right to the door, she goes, go away. Instead of you saying, honey, I just want to tell you I'm sorry. And when you're ready, I'll be waiting. 
But there's the opposite side of this coin because I can't leave you on the side. There's a greed of love that came from heaven. And it, and it says this. This greed is love. This is who Jesus Christ is. And he was so greedy for us that he sent his son to die a horrible death. Do, y'all, do, do we ever think of the cross and what it meant in that time and even right now if you see somebody hung on a cross? This is not easy. This is not a death somebody shot you with. This is a horrible death. And the cross does not want, people don't want to share the experience of the cross. Why? Because it's too terrible. You want the cross to be, oh, this great thing, Jesus died for us. We say that all the time. But we, if we really truly understand the death that Jesus went on that cross and took, oh boy, we change our minds about the greed that we have in our lives. That's why the song said it was bought with his blood. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. It wasn't an easy death for Jesus. And the world does not want to share in it. And the church don't want to hear that the cross was a terrible thing. Oh, you, everybody want to, oh, it's nice that Jesus died. But the Bible said, but, but, but maybe someone may die for a good man. Maybe. Now, none of you are going to want to stand in front of a bus for me. Because you're going to say, well, I got a wife I got to take care. I got grandchildren. But Christ said, I'm going to do something for you regardless if you love me or not. Because I'm so greedy for the love that I have for you, I'm willing to die for it. Oh, can you, can you say amen? amen? That's the greed. And out of that, the character of his greed began to show up. Why? Because he said, out of the love, out of this fruit that I have, listen, this is what my character greed shows you. It doesn't show you what I just told you. It shows you that I, out of my greed, joy begins to come. Oh God, hallelujah. Out of my greed, there's peace between me and you because of the righteousness I've imputed in you. Oh, shucks now. This ain't Sunday, but I'm a, I'm, we're going to preach like it is. I ain't got about a few minutes left. I ain't got halfway in it, but God is going to do the rest. Is the greed of forbearance? Is the greed of kindness? Oh God, hallelujah. It's the greed of goodness. It's the greed of faithfulness. That's the greed we've got to hold on to. That's the greed when we leave out of here, we've got to change the pendulum. And we've got to go from unfaithfulness to faithfulness. And this is the greed that we need in our lives to love when it's hard to love. To have peace when all hell is breaking loose. Excuse me, children. To have long suffering. Now, when we get to that long suffering, people don't like that one. They skip over that. I'm tired of being with you. And I had enough. But Christ said, no, long as there's breath in your body. And this is what I love about him. Even when you die. I'm going to still take care of you. That's jump show. I just like to kind of get down on the floor sometime. This is the greed that went to the cross for you and me. This is the greed. So when you find yourself disliking your friend or your enemy, think about what Jesus did. Think about the greed he suffered. I, I, I love this passage in John. He says, listen, now, Father, give me the glory that I had with you. Why? He remembered. He said, no, look here, I want to go back to where I know this glory is good. Our foot is on the earth, but our title and deed is in heaven. I want that greed that when he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's the greed I want. 
So tonight I ask you. I ask you to change the pendulum tonight. Don't worry about your neighbors and what they have. Don't worry about where you are right now. Even the sickness that you're bearing is a testimony to God. But I need you to get the greed of love that will enable you to have the character of who Christ came to be and died for. Amen. This passage tonight, it blessed me. Because God began to show me, Matthew, I don't care nothing about that. Tell my people I don't care nothing about it. I want them to get a different type of greed in their life. That's the greed I went. I sent my son to the cross for. And if they can get that, then we will turn not only this community, but we'll turn the world upside down. Pray with me tonight. Father, we thank you. And Lord, I bless you tonight. I can hear Romans 7 where Paul says, oh God, for that which I know to do, I do not do. Good God Almighty. For that which I hate to do, I do anyhow. Why? Because this old sin that dwells in my body. But I love that Paul never left us right there. He went straight down to, I believe it's around 27 or 28. He said, but oh, wretched man that I am. Oh God, who will save me from this? He mentioned the one name. Christ Jesus. And then he topped it off like a good thing of ice cream. For there be no condemnation. Everyone under the sound of my voice. I would ask you to make a commitment to your children, to your loved ones, to your enemies, to your pastors, to your next door neighbor to the woman in the grocery store. I would ask you to grab onto the greed of love and follow in the fifth step of Christ Jesus. And even when you fall, even when you don't say something right to that wife or that child, know that God is a loving God. And he's a forgiving God. So Lord, would you bless us now? Would you hold on to us, Father? And would you remind us that all that we can come to the altar because you paid it all with your blood, God. And I pray tonight that your people hear. I pray that their eyes have been opened and their hearts have received tonight. That now, God, you do the work. I thank you for them and I bless each and every one of them right now. And as I close, I thank you for Pastor Jerry. I thank you that they have raised up a man. You have raised up a man in this place that is leading them down a path of giving it up. Because we take nothing from this world into heaven but your love. This I ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Let everybody say amen. God bless you.